startups can succeed or fail. That's one of the exciting things about them. Everyone who is involved in the startup can succeed because that is a big professional development opportunity for them. You learn so much about business, operations, management, investing, technology that you're just never going to get uh, in a role at a larger or older company. Be aggressively curious about the business that you're working on. All the fun of building a startup is in not knowing the future, but more about just keeping the cycle time for learning as short as possible. I'm Bill Eager. I'm the VP of Engineering at Nomad Health. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Bill Eager built a way for doctors and nurses to find work all while being a nomad. All this and more on Code Story. For Bill Eager, his interest in tech paralleled his desire to play music. After attending music school, he became disillusioned with music as a day job and pursued tech, still moonlighting as a performing artist. As he pursued a role with a startup, he was introduced to the founders of Nomad Health and instantly connected with the idea. He jumped in on the ground floor and created a marketplace to serve clinical nomads. Tell me about Nomad Health. Tell me about what you do and how you got started building Nomad Health. Sure, so Nomad Health is a premier online marketplace for short-term clinical work. Our main target is travel nurses who do three-month contracts. Uh, They travel away from their home to help fill needs at hospitals around the U.S. Um, We also focus on locum tenens positions for doctors. Uh, So those are variable length contracts, uh, usually highly specialized to covering needs that those hospitals or, or clinics need. We started out in 2015. I joined the company as employee number one, and engineer number one. So I was looking for early stage startups to get involved in. I really kind of caught the startup bug, wanted to be involved in something, but didn't have any sort of like founding or entrepreneurial experience of my own. So I started to look around to see what was out there. I was introduced to the founders of Nomad uh, through my network. And I was being very selective at that time based on you know, the mission of the company, the perceived viability of the company, the pedigree of the founders and investors. And so I looked at a lot of things and after speaking with the team at Nomad, couldn't really get that out of my head just because the idea was so good and it was you know something that just didn't exist yet. As an engineer, there are so many resources for me to take control of my career uh, using technology or using online platforms. And that really didn't exist for clinicians. It's all very old school brokerages and all you know pen and paper, fax machines, really high margins. And so I had an opportunity to be uh, on the ground floor of a company that was building a solution for this in a very worthwhile and very valuable market like uh, clinical work. So employee number one, you jump into this to Nomad Health. Tell me about the MVP. Tell me about how long it took to build, what tools did you use and what sort of process you went through to build the initial product. Yeah, so you know, we started out with something that was maybe a little ambitious in terms of the feature set to build for an MVP, but we were able to put it together 
in about 90 days. And so I started with the company in uh, December of 2015. And, and by March, we had uh, something launched and we were signing up doctors and we were bringing people into the platform. Um, obviously, it's changed a lot since then in terms of its design, in terms of its feature set, but uh, the core functionality, uh, we had uh, some versions of that existed when we launched, um, registering for a profile, creating that profile with some data that we were able to pull from third parties. Job search, uh, we supported physicians applying to those jobs directly through our platform. And so we were able to get you know, a pretty workable experience out of our MVP. We built it with Python uh, using Flask. Uh, MongoDB was our primary data store, uh, and we launched it on Heroku. As you went through that process of building the the initial, you know, the initial MVP for that that ninety days, which is uh, for a large feature set, feature set that's really fast. As you went through it, though, what decisions and trade offs did you have to make in the short term, and, and how did you cope with those? Yeah, so I think, you know, as we were going through defining what the functionality would be and what the data model and interactions between parts of the product would be, you know, we had to make a lot of changes and MongoDB made it very easy to do that because, you know, it doesn't enforce a schema. So if we wanted to add a key, remove a key, it was very easy for us to do that. You know, I, I think generally a good startup MVP team should take on as much technical debt as they can you know, with an eye to the future, but not, you know, be so obsessed about it. So we, you know, did some things that larger company code reviewers would probably scream about, but that's kind of par for the course. We still took time to do things like unit test the code, implement continuous integration, so that we had the stability of our of our application uh, at all times. And the other thing that we did is we kept the code base uh, monolith. It was much easier for us to get our heads around that as a smaller team. I know a lot of companies will build services first. You know, they'll they'll build for this you know architecture infrastructure that they won't really need for years. You know, I know a lot of people. Uh, a monolith ends up breaking for them later on in the life of the company, but it's a smart thing to do if you're a small team. You know, you only have so much that you're trying to do just to get off the ground. So it sounds like. You know, those decisions you made, you felt pretty good about them. You know, when you made them, it didn't feel like you were leaving anything on the table by, you know, going monolith or going a more flexible, you know, no SQL database like Mongo. Yeah. And I think a lot of it really is you have to have the right attitude about it. A lot of people look at something and say, well, you know, how does this scale or like this is going to fall over when you get to a billion transactions. But when you're you know, at a small startup, just getting to MVP and trying to find that product market fit, you know, it's more important that you can collect, you know, feedback from users that you can learn and iterate and have a shorter cycle time for figuring things out. Um, and being able to ship fast uh, really enables that more so than, you know, building some sort of an overwrought uh, infrastructure to support, you know, notional future versions of the company that you can't even guarantee will exist. How has the product progressed since then? How have you matured the product as Nomad Health you know, took off and grew? Sure. Well, the biggest thing that we've done is expanded our offering to travel nursing. Uh, we started out just focused on doctors. It became pretty clear to us that nursing was a very obvious fit for the platform that we had built. So we decided to support both doctors and nurses on our platform and we rolled that out in 2017. Uh, and since then, the travel nurse uh, section of our business has uh, grown immensely. And in addition to that, we've really iterated on a lot of the large feature areas of the platform, uh, supported better matching, 
uh, onboarding and data collection for clinicians. So we're able to get a really good profile of them to match them to the right jobs out of the gate. We're also doing a lot to manage those clinicians through different phases of engagement with Nomad. Uh, so in the case of clinicians on Nomad or clinicians who are looking for short-term work in general, you know, they might go on assignment for three months or, or sort of disappear into uh, uh, some other job that they're doing for a long period of time. And we want to make sure that we're able to give them that next opportunity that they're looking for um, at the time that they're ready to find something new. So. Uh, engaging with our clinicians uh, over a longer window, I think is something that we've been able to iterate on and improve greatly. And we're also helping them uh, on some of the later phases of finding a job uh, through Nomad. So we're supporting them through the interview process, the credentialing process, the onboarding process. And it really speaks to why we had an opportunity to be first to market with a product and platform like this, just because there are so many things that go into a clinician getting placed in a job that you know the traditional hiring marketplaces don't really want to touch that and it's uh, it's a very worthwhile very complex system and you know we're aiming to get it right how do you and your team build your roadmap so how do you get feedback from you know the market how do you internally process that or how do you hypothesize on what's most important and what you should build next product and engineering are two different teams in the company and they have these orthogonal but harmonious priorities or directions that they're going in. On the engineering side, we want to build great technology. Uh, we want to make our uh, platform high performance. We want to invest in the velocity of our team going forward. And product really wants to do that user research, wants to get as much feedback as they can from the market, study trends, and, and come up with the next big thing for us to build. Um, so product is engaging their own process to do user research, user interviews, uh, market analyses. Uh, the engineering team is thinking about our own architecture, our own infrastructure, coming up with proposals uh, to improve our platform and technology. Uh, and we consider this across a couple of different categories, you know, whether we're paying down tech debt, you know, making future-looking tech investments, or if we are investing in new platform technology uh, or technology that enables future versions of the product. We prioritize those initiatives uh, based on how they align with the technology and business strategy overall, which we like to have as long of a horizon as possible. And then we size those initiatives based on their rough scope and the resources that we have available to understand, hey, what's reasonable for us to take care of over the next uh, quarter or the next six months. And each team uh, is able to align their own roadmap based on the priorities of, of you know, what works for that team specifically. And then we compile that product and technology roadmap into a unified roadmap uh, and present it to the team so they understand what we're building, why it's valuable, whether that's a product initiative or a technology initiative. What is the process from going from that like into design, development, things of that nature? Like, How do you approach the design, the aesthetic aspect of it? How do you go through that, that part of the process? Yeah, so we like to keep it very agile, uh, and I know that agile for engineers sometimes means waterfall for everybody but engineering, who is expected to report on the work that they're doing at a much greater frequency. Um, we want technology and the engineering team to be involved in all phases of this. So when it comes to conceptualizing the product initiatives or the tech initiatives, we want 
you know, people who are closest to the implementation and have an understanding of, of how things work to, to be involved there. Um, and we want to have an iterative approach uh, when we get into implementing these roadmap epics um, so that we are giving design feedback or design is giving engineering feedback or everybody is in the room together talking about what user stories we're putting together or what acceptance criteria we have for this work. So we find that the more collaborative that process is, uh, the greater result we have in planning and in execution. Sounds like a pretty seamless way to, to marry the, the teams and, and work together. And that's an interesting segue into, you know, how you went about building your team. So you were employee number one and now you're VP of engineering. And, you know, how did you go about building them? How did you structure it to align with product development? And then I think what is most interesting is, is how did you know you were picking the winning horses? Yeah, um, I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of the fun of, of building a startup is that you can never be truly confident. You can operate with as much data as possible, but you know, you have to sort of align a lot of intuition and, and, and being creative there. Uh, in terms of how we grew the team, um, you know, we started with an incremental approach. You know, I don't think we set out to have a team of a certain size by a certain date when we were going. We we're just saying, you know, like, what do we need in order to get ourselves to finding product market fit or being able to ship as fast as we want to? And we prioritized qualities within the folks that we hired uh, to help us get there rather than just saying, okay, well, how many people can we get through the door to help us out here? So, you know, we prioritized EQ, collaborative spirit very highly when we were hiring engineers early. Um, I was very interested in uh, bringing on engineers who had a strong growth trajectory so that they were excited about the possibility of growing with Nomad. Um, and, you know, people who, uh, for whom the mission really resonated with them, I think is important. Not because, you know, we want people who are uh, just sort of rah-rah about the company, uh, but being mission-driven, I think, helps to answer questions and fill in a lot of gaps uh, that people who are like less mission-driven and maybe more just focused on the technical details uh, wouldn't be so you know, capable of doing on their own. Today's episode is sponsored by Twala. Twala is a fintech company helping clients solve a fundamental business problem, how to best move money. Payments are a key component of every business, yet one that can be difficult to understand. Dwalla's ACH Payment API removes the complexity involved in moving money to and from bank accounts, so businesses can continue to focus on their core revenue stream. ACH transfers are efficient, reliable, and with Dwalla available for any business. I've partnered with Dwalla for over two years now and can vouch for two important aspects of their business solid, reliable technology, and amazing customer support. Dwalla enabled our team to achieve same-day pay on our platform. And if my team needs anything, we can rely on Dwalla's support team to get an answer quickly. Dwalla is at the forefront of a payments revolution, having created a ready-made connection to America's money-moving network and is ready to help your business scale. Start building against Dwalla's API in the sandbox environment today for free. Visit www.dwalla.com slash codestory to get started. Let's talk about scale a little bit. So you talked about starting out with the monolithic architecture and that, that makes a ton of sense. How did you mature the product to make it scale efficiently or, or were you fighting this kind of as you grew? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. And I think it goes back to 
you know, not wanting to, to build out too much, just wanting to sort of find that fit and be able to have a short cycle time and learn a lot and iterate. You know, for our product, we have a very large service area for features and our transactions are very high value. Uh, and so, you know, learning from, you know, anecdotal user feedback, I think is, is really important to understand, you know, where to build, not necessarily how to scale. In terms of managing the, you know, scale issues that do crop up for any size business, um, it's useful to have, you know, good metrics and alerting early uh, and to be able to boost signal in your telemetry as much as possible. Uh, and so, you know, to help us uh, anticipate scale issues, you know, we were actively alerting on basically all of our error logs uh, and we were really working to understand every single rattle or clank that we heard in the application. And, you know, in the process of building a startup, yeah, things will fall over all the time. Uh, but being able to, you know, catch them at like the at the first, you know, drop of trouble, um, you know, helps to head those things off so your whole infrastructure isn't falling over. You know, you've built this successful product, you built a great team, you have an eye on how to scale efficiently when you need it. But when you look across all of that, what are you most proud of in Nomad Health? I think it really is uh, the engineering team that we've built, and that's been the differentiator for us. You know, just finding great people is, you know, in my opinion, the thing that will make a business succeed or fail. Um, it doesn't matter how good the idea is. It doesn't matter how much money you can put into that business. If you don't have really good people, then you are not destined for success. Um, and the way that I have tried to influence that is to drive the team to have its own voice, um, to really own and fight for good technical decisions, uh, to really prioritize collaborating effectively, and being curious about things that are outside of their day-to-day -day duties. So understanding as much as they can about the product itself, understanding as much as they can about the business and the industry. And that really creates a stewardship of the mission and a commitment to excellence within everyone on the team, not just for the work that they're doing, but for the company um, at large. And it's really allowed us to build a lot of product and technology with an otherwise small team that is just generating a very high impact and is very passionate and committed to all aspects of, of the business that they're a part of. Let me flip the coin a little bit. What was a mistake that you and the team made and, and how did your team respond to it? I think one of the mistakes that we made was, you know, once we understood that we were going to be a business that not only dealt with doctors, but dealt with nurses, we made some moves uh, to, you know, adapt our platform to support both of these clinician types, you know, but I think we didn't really see what the trajectory of that looked like or really see what the extrapolation of that looked like. Um, because Nomad is, is valuable for doctors and now nurses, uh, to find this short-term work. You know, this could apply to any type of clinician doing any type of work. Uh, and I think we could have taken a little bit more time when we adapted our platform to support nurses to say, okay, well, you know, this isn't just a doctor and nurse platform. This is one of those zero one infinity exercises where we have to say, okay, well now this is just a clinical work platform. And how do we support any type of clinician doing any type of work uh, and you know we're working on that now but I think uh, not considering it within that framework you know caused us to cut some corners where it's difficult for us to make some changes within one or the other uh, work type that we're supporting now. So you know you started out supporting doctors and then you brought in nurses after that 
in, in the technology, how did that how did that change your platform and how did the onboarding change, you know, two different types of market users there and have different goals, similar, you know, work areas, but different goals, different needs. How did that change the technology? Yeah. So, I mean, there are some simple things like presenting a different form to collect data from doctors or nurses when they sign up, um, different criteria uh, for matching uh, when, considering a job uh, for a travel nurse or a physician. Um, but really, I think the, the biggest difference has been on the back end of the transaction where you know, the process to hire a doctor on a short-term basis um, you know, comes with a lot more twists and turns uh, than it would for a nurse. Uh, and we had begun to really develop the, the sort of the back end of that process in the product. And when we rolled it out for nurses, we figured that it might be the same, but it really was uh, quite different. And so uh, being able to pull yourself up to a higher level and look at the way that the transaction is different uh, between a nurse finding a travel nurse position somewhere and a doctor looking for a local tenants assignment, um, you know, just being able to understand uh, you know, the market dynamics there and understanding how transactions are, are done uh, in, a, in an existing fashion and how they would be optimally done in a, in a platform like Nomad. Uh, that's something that I think is uh, worthwhile to do more of an exploration of before you break ground on actual code or implementation. What does the future look like for Nomad Health, for the product and for your team? I think one of the big things uh, for us on the team is we want to continue cultivating a deep subject matter expertise on a narrower spectrum of the product or technology for folks on our team. Uh, but I want to balance that with uh, maintaining that broad curiosity for the business and technology that we're building. The engineers on the team are really interested in you know, understanding as much as they can about the business because that's one of the things that, that excited them. and. You know, brought them to the company in the first place. So we want to ba basically build subject matter expertise that still allow people to be generalists about the business. Uh, and there are ways that we can do that by standardizing how we develop technology or documenting uh, how our business works uh, that we're exploring now. But we still want to continue to push that technology team to be involved in all phases of innovation, uh, be that in the business, the product, or operations. Um, I think it's really essential that, uh, that the technology team is involved as much as possible because uh, building an uh, efficient business that benefits the industry is going to require us to be you know, holistic in our approach to you know, being technically excellent. Tell me who influences you, how you architect software, how you approach software, how you build teams, whether it be a CTO, tech person, or or anyone, who influences you and how you operate? Yeah, so I lean on a lot of experts uh, from investor networks. Um, First Round Capital is one of the investors in uh, Nomad. Uh, they invested in us early. Uh, they have an excellent network of technologists and leaders who have provided me tons of great advice. Uh, you know, sometimes it's it's you know nothing that is particularly relevant to my specific situation, but just being able to see how people have weathered problems or uh, moved to the next phase of architecture or team development has been you know, really valuable to me. Folks that I've worked with in, in previous jobs have moved on to you know leadership positions in, in other companies, and 
whether those are large companies or small companies, you know, I think we can learn a lot about, uh, you know, good ways to, you know, good ways to keep moving forward and solve problems. And everyone's problems are, are very different, but just sort of putting them together helps you realize that they're all kind of a little bit the same. So if you could go back to the beginning, uh, what would you do differently or what would you consider taking a different approach on? You know, if I could go back to the beginning, uh, that'd be like massively unfair because, you know, I'd know everything that I know now. So uh, it's almost, uh, it, it almost is uh, uh, kind of unfair to even consider that. I mean, all the fun of building a startup is in not knowing the future, but more about just keeping the cycle time for learning as short as possible um, so you can adapt. I mean, I, I feel very happy with, with the way that, that things have gone, you know, uh, sort of keeping an open mind about the business, keeping an open mind about uh, changes that happen uh, you know, within your team or changes that happen uh, within the industry. I think you just have to be you know, flexible and, and you know, not hold on to too much because uh, reality will surprise you. And if you're ready for that, then you can be successful by responding to it. Um, I mean, I guess generally I would ask more questions, ask for more feedback and an attempt to keep that cycle time for learning as short as possible. And I probably would have invested in a standing desk. I mean, if, if I really could go back four years. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to someone that's, that's just getting started um, with their startup. They got their laptop open. They want to show you the next big thing that they've built. Having gone down this road, having been a part of a successful venture, what advice would you give them? My advice would, would be that I, I think they're on the, on the right path. You know, uh, startups can succeed or fail. That's, you know, kind of one of the exciting things about them. But uh, everyone who is involved in the startup can succeed because that is a big professional development opportunity for them. You learn so much about business, operations, management, investing, technology that you're just never going to get uh, in a role at a larger or older company. Um, so, you know, embrace all of those things, you know, take on new tasks and responsibilities, um, you know, uh, be uh, grateful for unanticipated problems, you know, roll with the punches. Um, and then for people who are, you know, working as, as you know, early employees and startups, you know, don't assume that other people will handle things for you. Um, there's just this massive unexplored problem space and it just gets larger uh, at a rate that's greater than your ability to solve those problems. Um, and that's fun. You know, that's a lot of fun to be involved in something like that. Um, you know, the, the stack of things to do always gets higher and, you know, some people really enjoy that. I, I really do enjoy that. Um, and then as the team grows and, you know, you're doing more, speak up when you have questions or ideas, listen to everybody that you can, whether that's someone on your team or, you know, some customer or some competitor or someone in the industry, be aggressively curious about the business that you're working on. And, you know, if you do that, you'll learn a ton, uh, develop a lot as an individual uh, and increase your odds for success. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is it's very important to find a mentor and uh, find a network uh, because building a startup, uh, you know, even if you're in a small room with a bunch of people, it can be lonely. So finding a network of like-minded people uh, that can help you find the support and catharsis that you need is really important. Um, and I found that those people can help you identify and solve problems that you will encounter uh, before they become issues, even if those problems uh, are unique to you. That's great advice. 
Well, Bill, thank you for being on Code Story today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Nomad Health. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is a production of TouchTap LLC and is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart and edited by George Macharco. Special thanks to Deanna Chapman and Stephanie Campisi for their promotional support. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Breaker, or the podcasting app of your choice. Make sure to check us out at codestory.co or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn.